Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hey, Justin. Yes, Sid? You know how, you know, whenever we're hanging out, like relaxing, we get, you know, an hour or so just to chill, watch some TV and be together. You know how you always look at me and say, Sid, I really want to know more about... The history of French royalty in the 15th century. No, Sid, I can't say I recall ever asking you that ever in our entire lives. I think I'm pretty sure that you've looked at me before and said, like, I don't feel like I know much about the royal family from that period uh, or the Hundred Years War. Or I know we've always taken the long way around with these intros, but I feel like you just lying is a new low. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. It's okay. <laughs> I forgive you. I just but didn't. But I feel like you're trying to nudge me into a topic for our medical history podcast, Sawbones. I can feel <laughs> your hand nudging the small of my back closer to the precipice of of edification. I couldn't think of an organic way where you would ask me about that or uh, about kind of um, an interesting, but for the most part, uh, gone medical condition that existed largely in 15th and 16th century Europe. And pretty much there's not much documentation of since. Okay. I just couldn't see a way that you were going to ask me about that. No, I no, there was no way around it. But I think you did the best you could with what there you are, had. It's not in any video games, I bet. What? People. The, the, the condition I'm talking about, which is called the glass delusion. No. Skyrim has, like, swords made of glass. Somebody's probably going to tell me, like, what about the one Zelda where everybody was glass? Keep it to yourself. <laughs> Nerdlinger. <laughs> I don't was there need a you Zelda on... where everybody was glass? No, but I'm saying, like, if I could recall that, Sydney, I would just say that. Oh, but I'm okay. saying, like, somebody's going to be like, what about, you You said your favorite video game was Glass Friends. Just stop. Is that your favorite video game? No, Sydney, that's not a video game. Just tell me about this <laughs> dumb delusion. Uh, well, first of all, thank you, Nuri, for recommending this topic. I had never heard of the Glass Delusion. And I was very excited to learn about it, although I don't know I don't know that it's one of the topics that I will apply to my daily medical practice. Yeah. So let's let me take you back to Charles the Sixth of France. Let's go, Sid. Uh, he was king 
from 1380 to 1422. He was initially called Charles the Beloved. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, he assumed the throne at age 11. So it, it's hard to, I mean, you're kind of automatically beloved when you're 11, right? Um, I actually cannot think of many 11-year-olds I've enjoyed, <laughs> especially. <laughs> oh, I don't think if you're the 11-year-old king, like everybody instantly is like, what a jerk. Yeah, but I also think that there's probably something like, uh, are we screwed? Like, can we all agree that he's 11? Are we all he, he kind of screwed a little bit? He actually, uh, part of the problem was that all of his uncles kind of ran the country, even though he was king. So uh, like on Elena of Avalor. Yeah, sort of like that, like a, like a grand council kind of thing. Okay. And uh, they weren't very good at it, and they made a lot of bad decisions but then he brought in some really important advisors and kind of got things under control and seemed to be headed in a direction to be a really wonderful, transformative king. Sounds like in this situation, they were the ones who weren't ready to rule. That's a great Elena of Avila reference. If anybody enjoys that program, that was just for you. There are some, I guarantee there are some parents out there right now. Who, are, who will have it stuck in their I head. I know I'm ready to rule. Uh, anyway, so he, so things seem to be going pretty well until, uh, his twenties. So in his twenties in 1392, to be exact, he didn't seem to be doing very well. He was, it was noted that he seemed, uh, kind of hyper in his actions. He couldn't stop doing things, talking. He seemed, um, feverish is the way he was described in a lot of older writings just they had, meaning they had that no he, idea what that meant though <laughs> no picked a word they didn't mean an actual fever they just meant he seemed uh not quite like he was in he was in this world and he was moving very quickly and making maybe not the best decisions and in the midst of this he decided to lead a military expedition to capture an assassin who had attempted to murder his friend Wow, that's a very active role for a king. You think he'd have people yeah. for that? Yeah, that's what I would have thought too. But maybe back then it was just like the king was in you on that. You know what is in your twenties, though? You you start trying to hunt down every assassin <laughs> that comes across your path. So you think his, you're invincible. So his friend uh, Olivier de Clisson uh, had they attempted to, this assassin attempted to murder him, and then the Duke of Brittany was hiding the assassin, like, mm. being kept there. I don't know what their relationship was. I don't know what the D. I don't know. If money was exchanged, some sort of favor. Classic Duke. They just hated each other. Maybe. They're just all these people. As I read through, like, the history of the of the monarchy, it's just people just hate each other sometimes. It's like Game of Thrones, right? Is that, isn't that, this is what Game of Thrones is about. Oh, there you go. Right? Now you got it. Okay. That, I get it now. Now you understand the entire plot of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Anyway, so he's he's riding to kill this assassin. He's got his little group of men that he's bringing with him. Not the entire army, I'm assuming. That like would be some foolhardy. Of and uh, as they're riding through the forest, a man comes running up to his horse, like grabs on to the saddle and looks at the king. Um, he's a man who obviously has leprosy. Uh, he's in tattered clothing. Um, uh, he was terrified and yelling and kind of scared everybody, freaked everybody out. And said, you need to turn back, good king. There's a traitor among you. There's the, you, you will be betrayed. Turn back. This is a very, I just want to say, Sid, and I, I don't recognize this enough. Um, this is a very um, good framing 
a lot of the stories that we do don't have this kind of nice framing. No. It's like very visual. It's very in the moment, very cinematic. I'm really enjoying this story. Thank you. I'm sorry I broke the flow of the story to mention that, but <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I called it out. It's very evocative, and I'm really enjoying well, myself here. I'm it, having a great time. Well, I, I'm glad. I do I do have to be clear. I did not write this story or make up this story. I just am telling it. It's true. Now, Sydney, <laughs> we're at episode 202. Did you just clarify for me that these stories have been nonfiction the entire time? Because I was... Surprise! I, I, okay. Double cross. I, I know I play kind of, a, kind of a goofster on this show, but that would be... Quite a misconception on my part. So the soldiers pushed the man away, and but they didn't arrest him. So he kind of just tagged along behind everybody on horseback, yelling. If, if my people, if my court of people is not there to keep people with leprosy from accosting me, what exactly are they being paid to do? I, that's a good question. Job one. Yeah. Y'all. Just, Job one. So, so this guy's kind of yelling, uh, they're, they're continuing on their journey. The king already, as I mentioned, was in this kind of unusual state of behavior and, and things were getting intense. And as you can imagine, as things got more and more intense, uh, the king was getting more and more agitated. And then one of his pages accidentally dropped like a helmet or a sword, something conflicting account, something loud that clanged a lot, dropped something. There was a big loud clang and the king just snapped and began to attack his own men whoa calling them traitors he actually he began swinging his sword around he actually killed several of his men dag and then started to attack his own brother louis who i i bet put him down no uh he was tackled by his men at this point yeah like that's a tough one man the king comes to you the sword what are you gonna do you try to defend yourself the other haters will be like, uh, no, you well, don't. I'm assuming that's why he got so many before, yeah, before I, he was that tackled. That would be an ignoble way to die. Like, you're just kind of standing there like, well, I guess I should just, uh here it comes. So uh -oh. he was subdued by his men, and he went into a brief coma-like state. And then he kind of came out of it. But this was the beginning of a lot of similar episodes. And, and looking back on this now, applying kind of the lens of medical history to this now, this was probably the beginning of some underlying psychiatric diagnoses that they would never have been aware of at this time. Right. Maybe, like, it's been theorized before that maybe it was something like schizophrenia. This could have been. That would make sense for his age and the way it, the onset and things like that. There's also some mention that he was sick right before this happened. So then the thought is, was this some sort of residual brain injury from a meningitis type illness or something like that? Right. So either way... Clearly something changed at this point in his life. And he began to have these kinds of episodes where he would, sometimes he would forget who his family was. Sometimes he would just refuse to bathe or change his clothes for weeks at a time. Um, various ways that it would, it would kind of manifest. And then he would seem more like himself for a while and then it would come back. Um, on a side note, during one of these episodes, uh, when he was refusing to bathe, his doctors planned to treat him for it was it this is a good one to have a lot of his like ha have a lot of the men in the castle the men who worked there um kind of hide in rooms where he was going to come in uh -huh. and then jump out and scare him when he entered the room to scare him out of it wow 
I don't know. Like, that's so buck wild. Like startle him from like, his. Like startle him out of his insanity. Yes. Like you yes. just spook him a little bit and then he'll be like, you're right. And they record that at one point they, this worked, and no, I, it didn't. I You're do lying, not history. believe. Yes, I do not believe that that worked. Nice try, history. No, it didn't. Like, that's the one thing that I think could be the worst thing to do yes. is just jump out and scare someone. Yes, like that. You shouldn't do that to anybody, let Never. alone someone with delusions that there are people trying to get them. Are yes. you kidding me? Exactly. So. You're probably wondering at this point, what are okay? Where does the glass come into the picture? Right. This is this is one of the most notable ep- episodes that he had. It was actually written about by the Pope uh, at the time, Pope Pius, that he began to have the the fixed delusion, the meaning the kind of a false belief that he could not let go of, that he was made of glass. Okay. That his entire body was made of glass. Uh, he became certain that if he bumped into something or someone or if he sat down or you know went to lie down too quickly or too hard on a, on a firm surface anything like that that he could just shatter and he he thought Bruce Willis was out to get him with some breakable powers <laughs> it was thing. the kids they called me Mr. Glass oh, i got that reference that was a great yeah Thank you were you. right on it i was on it with a great Great Samuel L. Jackson impression. <laughs> Two for the price of one. You can, you can imagine if you're reading articles about the glass delusion uh, on the internet that lots of people like to post pictures of Mr. Glass with this. Yeah. Just to, I don't know, emphasize that. You made me feel unoriginal now, Sydney. thought I was coming no. up with a real bone No, I just meant it was on my mind. Okay. Uh, so he, he also, he went to the extent of having his tailor sew iron rods into his clothing with the thought that then if he ran into something or bumped into somebody or something like that, that those would protect his body. The cybernetic exoskeleton. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And then he also would wrap himself in many, many blankets. They're like, they're paintings of him wrapped in tons of blankets when he went to like lie down or (laughs) There are paintings down. I'm assuming not post portraits because I would think that like, let, hold on. Put the brush away. Well, I, the, <laughs> let me take off there my was blankets. This, like, there was this one, or maybe it was a tapestry. Either way, it was a depiction of him, and he was like lying in a bed. And if this is not like a bunch of blankets, or if these were like typical king robes, they don't they don't make sense to me. It looks like something a that would be blankets. difficult. It looks like a, bunch, looks of like a bunch of blankets, uh, and like a bunch of men standing around the bed guarding it. So there you go. I mean, that's that's what it looked like. It looked like a depiction of that. Uh, even to the extent like where if he was, he was particularly afraid of his, his bottom, his mm. rear end, his buttocks. His glass butt. His butt shattering. He was particularly afraid of that uh, happening. And so he would wrap his, like, especially around his waist and, and his, his butt and blankets every time he went to like sit down anywhere because he was very afraid. And this is actually, as we kind of talk about this, not an uncommon delusion to have like that or specific fear. Um, the delusion is very uncommon. That specific fear within it is not. That your butt will break? Yes. I did, I did not know that. So as a result. I'm trying not to chuckle because there's, I, I understand as a, as a, uh, someone who lives with mental illness as well and has spoken a lot about the need to talk more publicly about that and destigmatize it. I'm trying very hard not to laugh at the king who's afraid he would break his glass butt. 
but it's very hard for me to do that. So I'm sharing my struggle with you all so you know where I'm coming from right now. Thank, thank you for sharing, Justin. Okay. I've just shared my struggle. He, so as a result, he would stay in his room most of the time. He tried to hold very still. He would sit there motionless for hours to protect himself from breaking. He didn't let people touch him. His wife wasn't allowed to touch him. Um, they you know, did, that's sad. They did now have, it's sad again. But they did have a lot of children, just on a side note. Like 12 Gen- kids or something. Like a ton <laughs> of kids. So Gently. So, <laughs> uh, and uh, as a result of this, he became known as Charles the Mad instead of Charles the Beloved. And as you can imagine, with his struggles with untreated, undiagnosed, ununderstood mental yeah. illness, he had a lot of trouble being an effective ruler. Yeah, I can imagine. From there forward. I, just on a side note, as, I'm, as I kept reading stories about Charles and, and his, you know, his delusion and his illness and his other uh, issues, a story kept popping up that had very little to do with his illness, but I just think is a crazy story. So the, the king and queen at one point were having a fancy party. There was like somebody got married and they were having this big party and the king and some of his like dudes, some of his guys went and dressed as wild men. Okay. Wild men were like a specific thing. They were in like, they were some sort of demonic creature and folklore at the time. So it was an actual thing to be a wild man. So they they went and they put on these clothes made of linen that were soaked in resin and then covered in flax that was really long. So it would look like wild, hairy stuff all over them. And they put it on and they came bursting into the ballroom, into the party and started dancing around, scaring everybody, freaking everybody out. It was a joke. Everybody was supposed to laugh, whatever. Until the king's brother, Louis, who he had tried to kill earlier came walking up to one of them with a torch to stick it in his face and get a better look to try to figure out who it was. And of course they're covered in resin. So he set the guy on fire and then like three other guys got set on fire as a result of this. Uh huh. And this is now known as the ball of the burning men. And that's where burning man got his start. No, listen, listen, y'all. I'm very sorry. You got burned. Your King got told by somebody with leprosy that people were out to get him, and now he thinks his butt is made of glass. Maybe we don't need to add extra levels <laughs> of fantastic adventures to a ball. Maybe you should just calm down and wear a nice well, T-shirt and some khakis and maybe not dress up like Animal from the Muppets and try to harangue him and his guests because he's skittish <laughs> and he doesn't he, need that business. He was the, the king was one of them. What? The, the king was one of the wild men. I would never have agreed to that. King, no way. King Charles was one of them. And that's what, there's this a whole other layer of intrigue because then there's the thought, was Louis doing it on purpose because he knew the king was one of them and he was trying to assassinate his brother to take the throne? Whoa. Actually, it would, actually the thought was to take his woman. Oh, okay. They thought he was after the queen. Now this I think is he like did have an affair with the queen later, but I, they thought he was after the queen. And so there's this thought, like maybe he was trying to kill the king. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this, his glass delusion. I just think that's a uh, an extra little, very interesting story So about King Charles. That feels like the end of the story about King Charles, though. That is the story of the, uh, that is the end of the story about King Charles, but it is not the end of the glass delusion, which would persist... For about 200 years before it kind of vanishes from medical literature. Well, let me hear about it. I'm going to tell you more about it, but first let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing 
for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So, Sid, you were going to tell me, I, apparently, this delusion continued to persist? So, the strange thing about it is that it it almost sort of spread as if it was contagious, especially among nobility um, and then the upper class. What we experienced with the dancing plague, right? It's very similar to that, where it, there's no reason that this should be contagious in the infectious disease sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason, and, and, you know, we've talked about this before, actually, with uh, the anal fistula story of Where anal fistula the, king, the, the king who had the anal fistula, who, you know, they got, it got very trendy to have an anal fistula, so people would pretend they had one, even if they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so part of that is that if royalty had any kind of issue, everybody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's always talking about the royal family, right? We don't have one, but we talk about 
you know, other people's. Yeah. Because we're jealous, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, the so you started to see it pop up among other members of the nobility. Specifically, there was a French prince who was recorded soon after to the have French prince of Bel Air. <laughs> you say? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't. Who was recorded to have the same delusion by the court physician who took care of everybody, and uh, basically the doctor said, "Will you should probably sleep on straw all the time and keep stay on it as much as you can." Because part of what makes this difficult to treat is that if you're dealing with royalty, and especially if we're living in a time period where said royalty could look at you and say, oh, you you don't think I'm made of glass? Off with your head. Mm -hmm. Then you get some of the physicians who are kind of just saying, you're right, you are made of glass. Let's come up with ways to protect you. Right. Without really understanding what was going on or attempting or to do anything to, yeah, helpful they're just placating they're, exactly they because they're too afraid headed. yes they're too afraid to contradict them i am made of glass okay you're the king you're the prince you say so we'll go we'll go with that um this particular french prince was cured when a a fire i think on his straw mat that he was stuck on all the time mm -hmm. um made him second guess the whole plan and so maybe he wasn't glass. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm not after all, because this straw seems like a bad idea. And then you start to see other accounts pop up. What was again. he sleeping on before that? This less flammable. It's like a, yeah, like a, I don't know, like a bed. A bed. I don't know why straw is better. Than, I mean, the beds were probably filled with straw, right? Yeah, like, what did they have? All flammable. I don't understand this anecdote. <laughs> so other accounts started to pop up of of other noblemen who had this delusion and scholars. Um, it was specifically associated with like really intelligent people who would get melancholy and then begin to believe they were made of glass. Melancholy being kind of a catch-all term for probably depression mm -hmm. by today's standards, but also just sadness or kind of disillusionment. You know, it was it was one of those things where it doesn't exist today. We don't diagnose people with melancholy. Right. So it was a, it meant many things that we would identify today. Uh some people believe they were made of glass, as King Charles did. Some felt they were trapped in a glass bottle. Some believe they were very specific glass items, like I am a glass urinal. A g mm, sorry, back up. A glass a urinal? A glass urinal. It was like a small flask. That you pee into? You could pee, yeah. Mm -hmm. You could? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can pee into a lot of things, Sydney. <laughs> yeah, like a small flask that you could pee into. Uh, or an oil lamp. That was a specific delusion. That some people had. So, like, not only am I made of glass, but I am a glass object. That's so interesting. You would think, and again, I'm I'm no mental health expert, but you would think that that would be, if someone was not already uh, prone to, and this is what you're saying, right? These aren't necessarily people who have no any amount of psychosis no. or mental illness. It seems like that would be a very easy thing to treat. Not necessarily. Now, like I said, there was this association with this term melancholy. So did a lot of these people actually have underlying severe depression or, mm -hmm. or something, bipolar disorder, something else? Possibly, probably some of them, but maybe not all of them. Right. Because some people didn't have any other symptoms until they just began to believe they were made of glass. Uh, many initially centered around like glass extremities. My arms are glass. My legs are glass. My legs are glass or my feet are glass was a very common fear. Um, but later accounts included things like my heart is made of glass or my, my heart. 
it's a song. It yeah. just occurred to me. Yeah, it is also a song. <laughs> that is also a song. Do you think that's where Blondie got the idea? I don't think so. Probably not. And my chest is made of glass, so specific fears, or my head. Fears that your head was made of glass, that your head was too heavy for you to hold up, so it was going to fall off. Went along with that. That mm-hmm. was kind of similar to the glass delusion. My head's going to fall off and shatter. Um, I can't hold my head up. If I stand up, it's going to tilt to the side until I fall over. Those kinds of fears. Because it's glass. Because it's glass. Uh, there was uh, one physician, again, who wrote another account of a patient who specifically had the delusion that it was just his buttocks that were made of glass. Nothing else. Yeah. Only his rear end. Mm. Um, and so he spent all time, all day, all night with a pillow attached to his butt. Cause it was just that that was made of glass. Mm-hmm. Um, this physician claimed to have healed him by spanking him. <laughs> and then when he said, did that hurt? And the patient said, yes. He said, then it must be made of flesh because if it was glass, that wouldn't hurt. <laughs> it is thought that this was anecdotal exaggeration on the part of the physician and probably not completely true and maybe some of the earliest medicinal (laughs) spanking probably right right as opposed to all of the current medicinal spanking right this is the you're probably wondering where the the bedrock of medicinal spanking (laughs) came from and and here we are please don't spank anyone uh princess alexandra amelie of bavaria had a very what was it Amelie. Okay. I just want to make sure. Can I you hold right. yourself back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, developed a, a very specific glass delusion in her 20s. Um, she was really interesting. She was a writer. She was a translator of stories to different languages. Uh, she, she spent tons of time publishing books, that, translations, and writing stories. Um, and she uh, probably also had some underlying mental illness. There was some documented as incidents of her like compulsively cleaning things and mm-hmm. needing everything to be very clean all the time and mm-hmm. kind of having that obsession. And there's also um, some documentation that she would only wear white because it was cleaner. She thought it was a cleaner. So th- th- there probably is some other condition that was underlying this, but she came to believe that she had swallowed a glass grand piano when she was a child mm-hmm. and that it could break at any time. And so she had to be very careful how she moved through the world because this glass piano inside her could shatter at any moment. You know, being a parent is hard, but I think if you're inattentive enough to let your child swallow a glass grand piano, you probably need to hang up your spurs. I think that you have, you have gone awry. She was noticed. They, 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 they figured it out because she was um, walking through doorways sideways Mm -hmm. and someone in the, in like the castle noticed it and said, are you, why are you walking like that? God, you know, it's, it's, I, it's just a great reminder of like, I, 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 this stuff is, it sounds silly to us, but it's like, imagine trying to live that way. I think the thing that, the reason it's sort of bumping for me or not bumping, I don't know the, 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 the thing that I'm struggling with when I, as we're talking about this is like, how do you draw the line between people who, I mean, obviously, this is a, a is a different case, but like, how do you draw the line between uh, people who do have some sort of underlying mental illness and people who are just, I don't know, trying to be odd or or fashionable? Because when these things happen in these waves like this, it starts to set off alarm bells a little bit for me that like maybe we're not just talking about mental illness. Well, there's some thoughts on what we could be talking about. 
that okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. All right, well, I, towards I the end. But again, a lot of this is just. I theories. just don't want anybody to get mad at me for having a little fun at these people's expense because I think it's funny to think you have a glass butt. But obviously, I don't think it's funny well, to live with mental illness. But no. again. So I'm sort of torn. I'm really struggling. And, and the, with the thing we're documenting, it's so long ago and the records are so poor and the language, and I don't mean like language as in English or French, I mean language as in medical language, the way we talk about conditions and diagnose things, obviously is completely different now. Mm -hmm. So there's not an easy corollary to what exactly did this person have, what was wrong with them, or did they have any condition at all? Did they just, the king had this delusion so... Because as we said, people pretended to have anal fistulas, so right, right. That's not that's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, some theorize that Tchaikovsky may have had this, because really? he wrote once of a fear that his head would fall to the side and fall off while he was conducting, and that he would hold his uh, head up with hold his chin while he was conducting oh, to combat this. But I don't know if it was specifically the glass delusion. There's just been some theorizing, you know, theorizing. Uh, the majority of cases of this occurred between the 14th and 16th century. Um, there have been a couple recorded since then in the 1800s. Uh, a couple of uh, women who were institutionalized, who were, they, they, people went looking for this and specifically interviewed asking these questions. And a couple of women were identified who thought maybe their legs or feet were made of glass, but not really widespread, certainly like it was previously. There was a case in 1964, uh, supposedly, where a psychiatrist interviewed a young man who felt he was made of glass. But when he talked about what his feeling was, like, why do you think you're made of glass? Tell me what that's like. It was more like, I feel like I'm transparent and that sometimes people see me and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they're just looking through me to what's beyond and I am not visible. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the same. You know, it wasn't right. that necessarily that fear of shattering. It was more the fear that You're I don't exist and I do seen. exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. So there have been many stories written about it, by the way. You'll find this used a lot in fiction, especially fiction that came soon after the time period when it was most prevalent. Um, like uh, Cervantes wrote The Glass Lawyer, which was completely about a man who had the glass delusion. Hmm. So, so you can find these kind of like poetry and philosophical writings and, and stories about it. Um, and like I said, there are scattered reports in more recent years of possibly the same thing, um, but not, not at all like it used to be. Right. There's been some discussion like, could you see a resurgence of this? And I'll tell you why. So when, when we start to wonder what in the world was going on, one, this was probably a manifestation of some underlying mental illness that they didn't understand at the time. Of course. Um, like I said, Charles VI probably had schizophrenia. Pro maybe I'm not saying for sure. I don't know, but probably. I wonder if you're, if part of this is, uh, you know, the connection between anxiety and depression or what have you. I wonder if, like, the brain does so many things to compensate, so many weird things to compensate. I wonder if, like, if we didn't have the language to talk about anxiety and depression that we do now, like your brain probably would cook up things that were uh, seem a lot odder to that us were tangible today. and would make sense yeah at the time. some way of processing the information well, that the, makes a lot of sense the idea of mental illness was kind of vague at the time like the right. idea that it is a thing was hard at the time mm -hmm. you know people didn't understand that let alone what that meant or what right. that felt like um many like i said many of these patients were noted to have what they called melancholia this would probably be depression in most cases but could have been other things and uh, and then specifically when you talk about royalty, there was this big fear of 
being harmed or dying, being poisoned, being assassinated, you know, that, that persisted among royalty. They were constantly being scrutinized for their ability to perform their royal duties, for their ability to produce an heir. I mean, their physical well-being, their sexual lives, everything was under a magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. And so this could create a lot of fear and anxiety along with the pressure of ruling a country. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, maybe this is why you see this delusion more so among royalty, because they get this sense that they are very fragile, that they are something that everyone is constantly watching and checking and keeping account of to make sure they're okay. And you begin to feel very fragile um, because there's so many threats towards you as well. Uh, so maybe that was part of it. They also had no privacy. Um, and then you also, a lot of historians will make the point that glass was actually, especially transparent glass, was relatively new um, mm. at this point in history to Europe. This would, this would have been a time where more and more was finally being ordered and only rich people probably would have had it like royalty. Mm -hmm. um, so you start to see this kind of interest in glass as this kind of exotic, exciting, expensive luxury material. Huh. Um, so there's this association with that. And, and there was something almost magical about it still, even though people knew it wasn't. It was almost kind of connected to alchemy in a way. Like, hmm. what is this amazing thing so that's it's transparent? Like and, and kind of trendy. Glass was very Glass trendy. Was very um, and we see this, that, that delusions can be centered throughout history around things that are seemingly miraculous substances that came about at the same time. There was a, a concrete delusion that followed its introduction. Wow, really? Where people believe they were made of concrete for a wow. while. Um, after the Cold War, we saw the rise in this delusion that you were being bugged, that the government was watching you, mm. that um, they could hear your thoughts, that there were transmitters somewhere in your house that were going to... That kind of delusion has only grown with technology. As we have more technology that watches us more closely, the we see more and more of that kind of delusion among people who suffer from delusions. Hmm. So the idea is, could we see another glass delusion? Because our lives today feel very transparent. We have no privacy. So are you, are you predicting a trend, a hot take comeback for the nah. glass delusion? These are just, these are just f like fun things that I think people who think about such things like to write about on the internet. I haven't, I haven't seen this. Nobody's writing about seeing this commonly in modern times seems to be just one of those things that a, a medical condition that occurred at a very fixed point in history and for the most part kind of vanished afterwards. Huh. Um, that is going to do it for us, folks, this week. We hope you have enjoyed yourself. Uh, thank you to the Maximum Fun Network for having us a part of their uh, extended podcasting family. Um, uh, and can I just say, by the way, that I talked about the princess who thought she swallowed the glass grand piano. Mm -hmm. uh, Stuff You Missed in History Class did an episode about just that. Oh, If cool. you're interested in he hearing more. Um, we want to say some folks sent us some stuff for the P.O. Box. Thanks to Morgan for the cuddly poppy. Joe and Sarah and Declan sent some books. Carrie sent her friend's book. Dana, Dustin, Stephanie sent Charlie shirts and bottle openers. So thank you so much. Thank you all. For that. Um. Thank you to Max Fun. I said that already. Thanks to taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank you to you so much for listening. If you get a chance, please go to iTunes and rate and subscribe uh, to our show. And uh, that's what's wrong. Did you hit the, the mic with your cup? I hit the mic with my water cup. Sorry. Hey, that happens. I'm just trying to get that water in. Luckily, it's made of plastic. <laughs>
So until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. The Dead Pilot Society podcast brings you hilarious comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Aubrey Plaza, Andy Richter, Paul F. Tompkins, John Hodgman, Adam Scott, Molly Shannon, Busy Phillips, Tom Lennon, Anna Camp, Lori Metcalf, Felicia Day, Michael Ian Black, Adam Savage, Paul Shear, Ben Schwartz, Skylar Aston, Mae Whitman, Josh Molina, Ben Feldman, Nicole Byer, Jason Ritter, Sarah Chalk, Steve Agee, Jane Levy, Allison Tolman, Danielle Nicolette, Casey Wilson, Anna Ortiz, Lorraine Newman, June Diane Raphael, Kieran Chipka, Ed Weeks, Zach Knight, and Carrie Kenny Silver, John Ross Bowie, Jamie Denbo, Janet Varney, and many more. Listen at MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever you download podcasts.